on prying fingers. They should be pleased that he could now fill in this gap in their knowledge. When he next saw Robin Green in the cloisters, the market or the buttery, he could ask him what it felt like. He looked a little closer, and no actual fingers, sadly, but plenty of blood. He checked the untouched papers. All was well. Perhaps the plagiarising fool would learn his lesson this time and leave Marlowe's plays alone. With a tight smile, he went back to his bed and slid between the sheets. Blowing his candle out, he turned over and was immediately dead to the world. Dark is never totally dark, and the dark in Nicholas Faunt's bedchamber was less dark than it seemed, with small and cunning slits in the curtains letting through the faint grey of pre-dawn to bounce off concealed mirrors to light a cranny here, a nook there. Faunt had wrapped himself in a fur, quieter in movement than leather, and had propped himself up against the bedhead to wait. The night had been long, and he had nearly nodded off a couple of times, but the holly leaf tied under his chin had given him its none too gentle warning each time, and now the worst was past. The dawn was almost here. He was getting a little testy, though. When he had settled down to watch and wait, he had not expected to be watching and waiting quite this long. Suddenly he pricked up his ears. The topmost stair was famous throughout the house as having a squeak to wake the dead, so all the housemaids knew to avoid it early in the morning. They didn't know that the third board along the gallery from the topmost stair was rigged to ring a tiny bell on Faunt's bedstead. They just thought it was a marvel that the master was always sitting up smiling, waiting for them to bring in the beer and heel of fresh-baked manchet bread with which he began his day. He had the bell in his hand now, silencing its tongue, but he felt the vibration and stiffened. Someone was creeping very, very slowly towards the door of his room, but how prepared were they for all of his little tricks? He smiled wryly as he sensed rather than heard that the intruder had avoided the tiny caltraps he had scattered outside his door and made a mental note to sweep them up before dawn. They already had two servants laid up with pedal injuries, and three would test housekeeping beyond endurance. He took in a deep breath and held it as the door edged open just a tiny amount. He nodded when he realised that the heavy weight propped over the door, designed to alert rather than maim, though there was nothing wrong with maiming in Ford's view, was lifted and removed by skilful fingers. Then suddenly all hell broke loose, and he reached across and uncovered the window of the dark lantern beside the bed. In its flare he saw a man pinned to the ground by a heavy net, anchored at two corners by boxes, attached to the floor by staples, and to each other by a loosened tripwire, their lids open, and at the others by crossbow bolts, still quivering with the impact. With the light the man stopped struggling, and turned beseeching eyes up to meet Faunt's. "'This is none too comfortable, Nicholas,' he said. "'And how that left-hand bolt missed my head I'll never know. "'It parted my hair.' Faunt was sitting at the end of the bed, "'feet folded in front of him, knees raised. "'He looked like a homicidal schoolboy. "'He gave a low chuckle. "'Thomas, Thomas, Thomas,' he said, shaking his head. "'If you were really burgling my house, "'I wouldn't care over much whether it took your head from your shoulders.' 
The man under the net made a strangled noise of dissent and wriggled his shoulders. Let me out, he said. Then louder, let me out. You're scaring me, Nicholas. Let me out. Aunt jumped down and reached into first one box, then the other, releasing the net, then folded it back to release the struggling man. Stay still, he enjoined him. You're all caught up somewhere. It's your dagger. Wait. Faunt was vaguely surprised he was carrying one. He unraveled the net, and the man was free. Thomas Philippe was not at all amused. He was not a man of action, as any casual observer could tell. He was slightly built and had something of a scholar's stoop. He wore his thirty-odd years lightly, but he was pale, and didn't look like a man who saw much of the sun. He was a thinker, not a doer, and Faunt's latest amusement to get Philippe to try out his newest ideas did not strike him as at all funny.